As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Welcome to the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. My name is Jessica Barron. I'm a vice president with Centennial Inc. And I am delighted that you're joining us today. This is a podcast where we help leaders reframe success in leadership. And today we have a guest that is a perfect example of that. My friend and colleague, Evans Wankwo, is this president and CEO of Megan Construction, which is just the beginning of his story. So Evans, tell us a little bit about your background, how we got to know each other, and then we'll talk about how you got to Cincinnati in the first place. You can pick whichever one you want. You want to talk about how you got to Cincinnati first? We can do that. Yeah, perhaps I'll do how I got to Cincinnati. That sounds and great. I think sometimes fate determines where you end up in life. And other times I struggle because I'm thinking, wow, I graduated from Texas A&M University and I started working for Turner Construction Company and they brought me here. And they actually, because I landed here, sort of determined the relationship that happened while I'm here in Cincinnati and on and on and on. But you know, just a little bit of background for me. I'm originally from Nigeria, and I came over here solely to attend college. Then I was going to go back home and start a business or do something to contribute to the society. I've always wanted to be someone that makes a difference. And this is something that I learned from my father, who is a, a large philanthropist, especially within the village that we grew up in. So I left the country to come over here, get an education, and go back. But and then, how did that happen? I understand you have more than a couple brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's more than a couple. There's 13 of us. And my father, who had very little education, and my mother, who had a second-grade education, but they understood the importance of education and instilled in every one of their kids to use education as a way to get ahead in life. And that's why all of us are graduates to all 13. A number of us, a number of my siblings have gone on to master's and PhD. So it's quite remarkable when you think about from where we came and how we were able to achieve the educational success that we did. So that's why education holds a very special place in my heart. 13 children. Absolutely. I come from a large family, but not 13 children. <laughs> how did you get from your village in Nigeria to your education at Texas A&M. Right. In Nigeria, there was a time when success was the number of farmland that you're able to cultivate. And that was probably during my father's era. When we came along, it is about how many of your children are going to college. So there was this quest for college education and limited amount of schools present within the country. So people that have the appetite or interest in traveling abroad like myself, we opted to leave the country and go elsewhere to get an education. And I thought U.S. was just the perfect country because while I was in school, 
they will ask us in geography, the world largest producer of X. If I didn't know the answer, I guess US and almost always I was right. <laughs> so I felt that this is a country that I want to end up in. And as luck would have it and faith would have it, I applied to uh, Texas A&M, was accepted. And it was a community effort to be able to put together the funds to make this trip happen. And that's why when you help someone at a level that I was at a time, you never forget that. And this is why, fast forward, we now have a foundation that tried to help people in that same village. And that foundation is called the New Wave Foundation. Absolutely. And it gained significant steam, both in Cincinnati and in a broader community sense as well. We talk a lot about leadership. I think we need to talk more about paying it forward. Because as the people in your village saw something special in you, invested in you, and sent you to the United States, I don't think they thought, well, he's going to start the New Wave Foundation. But they really believed in you, and it really paid off for them as well. So, yes, that actually makes me very proud. And we talk a lot about how to impact not only the world around us, but also to walk the talk for our children. And I know that you have children. Tell me a little bit about your children and what is going on with them, because you have had some interesting educational experiences with your children. Well, you know, you probably heard the saying that says, uh, go something like this, and I'm just paraphrasing, that what you do speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. So breaking it down, it simply means that your action speaks louder than words. And these are what the kids gravitate to. So our children have seen us pour our sweat and tears into studying this foundation and making a difference. And invariably, my daughter, who we hoped would get into our line of business, but no, she got caught with the bug. And she definitely decided to be able to do something where she's going to make a difference in child advocacy. When she was at Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy, she was able to connect with inner city schools and actually engage a number of her students to go there and tutor and help the kids with math and some reading and, and what have you. So from that standpoint, she's now gone to Oklahoma State University where she studied psychology in order to be able to come home and walk and help kids. So that's just one example that these children, they look at what we do and they're able to form their own opinions. But those opinions are actually influenced by their environment to a large extent, from my opinion. So this is something that is positive and so very proud of her. We have two younger boys that are going out to St. Xavier High School, and we don't know what the future holds for them. This is now a time when they are making that delicate decision which way to go in life, and we are trying to be there as a parent, to coach, but not to drive. Yes, well, they're teenagers. Familiar <laughs> <laughs> with that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about New Wave. You know, you formed this foundation. It's a give back for you as a thank you to the people who believed in you. What does New Wave Foundation do in Nigeria? Well, you know, Nigeria is a country that, uh, let me just put it mildly, has its own challenges. And I used to go back to Nigeria every three years or so. 
And each time I go and I see things are not getting better, they're just getting worse. And I would always think, you know, there's all this oil wealth over there and they can take care of themselves. But I think the big difference is leadership. And there is a certain lack of leadership that is progressive enough to engage the community and actually provide the enabling environment for them to succeed. And I used to think, well, they're going to take care of it. Then all of a sudden I realized that the people that are really in need, they are totally helpless. And my wife and I felt that this was a time for us to try to make a difference. And it seems so large a task, but we felt like if we can make a difference in one person, that person could make a difference in others and you have this ripple effect. So we started New Wave Foundation to really do four things. So that's why we said that we exist to give hope. And the word hope, each of those letters, stands for something significant with one of our programs. So H, for instance, is for health. And that's where we employ doctor, where doctors don't exist in this local clinic and provide some medical equipment and supplies. We've since renovated the uh, existing clinic to something that takes it from one level to a level that is fairly decent. Then O is the opportunity where we actually give zero interest loan to folks to start a business or expand the existing businesses. And the nice thing about this is that after they do this for a couple of years, they pay that back and we can fund it forward to the next person. And P is for pure water because we realize that a lot of the uh, diseases that plague the, most of the African countries is really a lack of clean drinking water. So here is an opportunity for us to go into a village and determine uh, strategic locations and we drop in boreholes. And these boreholes are there, there, you get fresh drinking water and it's making a difference because not only are you able to get this fresh drinking water, but you're also gonna walk about a quarter of a mile as opposed to two or three miles to do the same thing. And finally, E is for education. And that's where we argument the government teachers, and then we provide desks, uniforms, educational materials and supplies to be able to enhance the level of education where they are. And most recently, I'm really proud of the fact that New Way has started to build a STEM building. Thanks to our generous donors, specifically John and Francie Pepper, their donation allowed us to start this STEM building that will be commissioned in just a few months. In that facility, we'll have an administrative area, we'll have a biology, physics, and chemistry lab, which is something that's going to make a tremendous difference in education back home. That is a really broad and deep mandate. That's yeah. pretty amazing to have had that vision and to be collecting the number of people. And John Pepper and Francie, wonderful people. And John, of course, is the former CEO of Procter & Gamble and has chosen very carefully which roles that he wants to take in the community. So it's quite a compliment. So he's a very humble man. And I'm sure if he ever reads this podcast, he wouldn't want me to mention that. So for that, I deeply apologize, my friend. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> that is my experience with John. One of the things that you have done in the foundation that I've gotten to participate in, which was so fun, was that once a year you do a benefit. And I have 
a lot of honorees that are definitely worthy. And there's nothing quite like seeing the CEO of a bank dressed up in an African dress with the headdress <laughs> and the tradition says we're having the, the food and some of the African traditions so that you've really put a personality on it. And that's something that I have appreciated when I've been in town. I don't live in Cincinnati anymore, but I come back all the time. And this is one of the reasons I do. So thank you for all that you're doing there. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, Jessica. And thank you for your support and hopefully your continued support. Absolutely. So we got you to the United States through your village and you got your education at Texas A&M. You went to work for Turner, which is a really uh, strong, large construction organization. And now you're the CEO of Megan Construction. How did that happen? What was your motivation? And how is Megan different? How have you put your own stamp on your business that it's personally and professionally yours? Well, thank you very much. And, you know, what really brought me to Texas A&M, in addition to the village, but I would have to mention the tenacity of my dear mother, who we named the company after. So Megan is actually Meg for her name. She's Margaret. And then E-N is my initial. You put them together, uh, that's what you get, Megan. When I first come up with the idea, I didn't realize that Megan is really God's name. And then when I came back and told my wife, we were at, a, at an event, a friend of mine, and actually his dog was named Megan. So I was shocked to say, what is going on? So my wife said, well, Evans, don't you realize that's a God's name? And I thought, hey, look where Wendy got, and this name will stay because it has a, such a deep meaning for me, and the name stuck. Anyway, back to your question about how Megan, is it makes a difference. You know, try to get into a company where everybody, no matter who you are, no matter your diversity, that you have really the freedom to fully exercise your professional expertise. And when you're in corporate community, there's a certain level of politics that go on. And I just wanted to be able to have a company that is so different and divorced of all of that. So my passion to create that specific company was what drove me to start Megan Construction Company. And I mean, we started humbly. It was uh, in the basement of my home. We lived in uh, Roseland at the time. And first job that we did was with uh, Choice Care. And I remember it was uh, 42,000. So now I think we are, our volume is up there in the um, tens and tens of millions of dollars. Thank God for that. And one of the major projects that you led was, of course, the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center, which is a beacon on our riverfront. Um, so not only was it a large and impressive building, but it also, I think, symbolizes so much of what you and Megan Construction are all about. So thank you for that. Well, construction is a unique thing, and I think every project brings its own challenges. But for me... The thing that makes a difference is how you connect uniquely to each project. So the Freedom Center is such a such a special project for us because of my background and from where I came. And when we went over there to make a pitch for the job, and I was telling them that it's important that you 
pick the right company to build this building. It's not just about putting bricks and mortar together. The company that you choose will make this building what it is. It will speak so loudly about the struggles. And I'm so glad that in the end, they heard my plea and chose us to build that building. Another thing that is important to me is education. And today we are so much involved with so many different academic environment that we're building, both at a higher ed and especially at K through 12 schools. So these are the things that I'm very passionate about and I'm so glad that I'm in a profession where I have the opportunity to be able to make a small difference into enhancing the environment where these things are made possible by others. And what you're speaking about in education is the Northwest School work that you're doing now. There are several schools that we've been involved with. You know, Northwest, like you said, is one of them. Then I know I'm going to miss a few, but we started working in 1998 with OSFC, which is the state of Ohio. Our first project was Bradford Schools, and, and it went on to several. But most recently, we're working on Carlisle Schools, Winton Wood Schools, Northwest Schools, Wayne Local, involved with St. Bernard Schools, Southwest Schools. I mean, there's quite a few. I'm interested to, that you say it's more than bricks and mortar, which, of course, it is. But how does a project like the school districts that you're working on, what do you get involved with besides the plans that the architect gives you and the contractors? Do you have any connection with students or the teachers or any input into how things can be changed? We do several things. And for instance, we provide an opportunity for the students to be able to learn while we are building. So if we're building a school, we usually invite the students to come on different tours at designated time safely. And some of our professionals actually go to the class, go to the students' classes and teach some construction subjects for them. And we have a situation where we're doing a mock bid situation, which is a way that we actually bid and win projects. And so there are different things that we do to make sure that the students can, while you're building their environment, that you're able to get them engaged in that. The same goes with the teachers. And I think I was recently with a client and they were saying that we've never had this much opportunity to be able to tour our existing facility compared to what we've seen in the past. And this is a way that we engage the people that will occupy the place before the job is actually done. Not to mention, if you get young people interested in construction, that that's a good professional pipeline for you. Absolutely. Just saying. Absolutely. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> to get them interested in different careers. So there's just an awful lot of benefits there. That is so true. And to that end, I must add that typically people think of construction as this plumber that shows up at your home. And I mean, no pun against my plumbers because without them, we're not going to accomplish a significant portion of what we do. But that's what students think, that you have a hammer in your hand and you're bending over the sink trying to fix something. But there are different aspects. While I really value the hands-on type, there's also the other end, which is the professional end, that you can mm -hmm. go to college and get an education and be able to be in the construction management side. So because most people don't think about that, they don't actually consider construction. But I think that 
getting them involved early, they can actually see what we do and be able to envision themselves being in the same environment as we are. So when we talk about paying it forward, you're paying it forward into Nigeria through the New Way Foundation, but you're also paying it forward in your work in the schools, in the major institutions in our community. So thank you again for that. We talk about how you and I actually first met. And it was in a community organization. And I'm trying to remember because this organization... Was it Bridges at that time? Because first it was National Conference for Christians and Jews. And then they changed it because there are more than Christians and Jews in this world, as it turns (laughs) out. And so it became NCCJ. And then from NCCJ, we had a transformation in Cincinnati and it became Bridges for a Just Community. And I guess that's when you and I started to connect. That's an organization that has transformed yet again into a trialogue. And even though I don't live in Cincinnati anymore, I'm still a member of that community. And I see that now it's not just Jews, Christians, and Muslims that we started with. Now we have interfaith groups and they, we have set such a strong example, the group has, that a lot more people want to be part of this, what is now a trialogue, which will be even broader. Tell us a little bit about your participation in the Bridges of Faith group, because I don't know if it's going to be a trialogue much yeah. longer. <laughs> well, we're still trying to make all that decision. And I think that for me is important to be involved in the community in which you live, because these are the same community that for our growth, and I'm particularly interested in justice. I mean, any time that I see injustice happening, it just, I see decent human being, is something that you struggle with. You feel like you cannot live in a peaceful segregation knowing that certain things are going on. So the Bridges of Faith is uh, an organization that really stands up to be able to speak against some of the injustice happening in our time, and I'm very attracted to the organization. I serve on the board and the organization is rapidly growing. It's gone, like you said, NCCJ, Bridges, Trilog, and I think this is an opportunity for us to involve a greater community into making sure that justice prevails no matter where. And one of the things that appeals to me very much about this group and the people that are in the group is that there's nothing political about it. We have people from so many different faith communities, and there are people that I normally would probably never have come into contact with, but we have the same core values of wanting to live in a better world. And so the Bridges of Faith is really an impressive group. I really feel very strongly about staying connected to that. Well, thank you. And I think the thing that you find in life is that we're all really the same, and there's just very little differences. And this particular organization has really opened my eyes to other cultures and other faiths, and it just taught me how we should be able to respect each other and try to build a community where everybody will live in harmony. And with our commitment to inclusion, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Evan Swankwo. You are an inspiration to me. You're an inspiration to so many others. What would you like to say to us that would wrap up all the things that we've talked about now? What's the way forward for us? 
I think for me, it's really being able to, let me just think relationship is such a key thing for me. And I would just end with that because when we have good relationship with people, they seem to be able to welcome you within their circle. Whether it's in business, we have a company where it's minority owned. There's absolutely nothing substandard about what we do, yet you have certain stigma. But what I found that is that through relationship, those walls will begin to fall. It happens in the business setting and it happens in social circles as well. So I will encourage all of us to just get out of their comfort zone to build relationship with your neighbors, with your colleagues at work, because you're going to gain valuable insight. And in the end, you're going to find out that you will be better for it, as I am a good testimony of that. I couldn't say it any more succinctly or any better. So I'm going to finish with that and say thank you to Evans Wankwo for joining us for the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I'm Jessica Barron. And the podcast is Helping Leaders Reframe Success in Leadership. I think we've accomplished some of that today. Thank you, Evans. And I look forward to participating in so many more of the activities that you have not only initiated, but inspired us to do. Thank you so much. And one of these days, I'll be in Big Apple and I'll look you up. You got it. Sometimes it's the little things that make a big difference. A post-it note and two minutes can make a huge difference in your workday. Find out more at talentmagnetinstitute.com slash post-it. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter, or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr., Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.